You're listening to a teaching from Vintage Church LA. This week we're hearing from lead pastor Gare Jones. Well, great to see you. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If you are new to Vintage, we are in a mini-series looking at the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is one of the persons of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we are looking, this is the last of four weeks, of what does the Holy Spirit do? What does the Holy Spirit do? And so let's read together one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit that is a gift to us. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 14. Let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives, especially the gift of prophecy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy, for prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. We are speaking this morning and looking together at what this gift is called prophecy. What this gift is called prophecy. This passage also speaks about speaking in tongues, and we'll do that some other time. I'll let Ash do that some other Sunday. But we are this morning looking at what it means for the Holy Spirit to give you the special ability of prophecy. Now just to recap who the Holy Spirit is, And what are these special abilities? They're not something spooky. It's simply to fulfill the command of Jesus where Jesus says, now you go and do the same things I've been doing to love and to bless one another. He says, I'm going to go back to my father, but go and make disciples of all nations. And he says, look, I'm going to give you my spirit, the Holy Spirit, to help you do the things that I have been doing. You can't do these things in your own strength. But you need the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to give you the power to do the things that Jesus has been doing. Not for our glory, but to help people discover and find grace in Jesus Christ. And one of the things that Jesus did that he goes, I want you to be able to do, is this thing called prophecy. Prophecy. And if you don't know what prophecy is, let me just give you a four-word definition of prophecy. That the Holy Spirit doesn't, I mean, the New Testament doesn't simply say, this is what prophecy is, here's a definition. But prophecy is throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. And here's my simple definition of what prophecy is. Ready? Four words. Hearing God for others. Hearing God for others. We see it through the Old Testament where the great prophets would hear God for the people of Israel. We see it in the life of Jesus, where he would hear the will of the Father for those around him. We see it in the early church, 
where they would hear God for one another. We see it throughout church history where God blesses us with his voice and sometimes that's just directly to us but often it's through other people. Hearing God's voice for others. Now, we know, don't we, in your Bible, God has spoken. And we have this amazing library of books inspired by the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the voice of God. Reveal to us who God is, what he's done in the world, who we are, and how we find reconciliation with God. But God speaks not just through his written word, but speaks to confirm his word to us in timely moments. And he'll do that through just your own relationship with him, but also through others. This is simply what prophecy is. Confirming God's word to you in timely and personal ways. Prophecy has been a rich part of my walk with Jesus. When people have blessed me, when they've said, I think God has spoken to me for you. And equally, when I think God has spoken through me to others. One of the profound moments of prophecy in my own life was when Lizzie and I moved to Los Angeles and we moved in 2011. We moved from Raleigh, North Carolina. And I don't know about you, when, if you were not from here originally, but when we moved to LA, we were pretty daunted about moving to this city. How many of you were daunted when you kind of came to this city? Pretty daunting, particularly when you're bringing kids. We were living in Raleigh, North Carolina. We felt God call us out here. That was confirmed by many things. But we were daunted. And we're daunted in particular about bringing kids to this city. Particularly when well-meaning friends in Raleigh, North Carolina said that we were doing harm to our children by bringing them to LA. We didn't kind of felt nervous. We arrived in 2011. And for a few years, there was amazing positive things that God was doing, but also some struggles. And at times, my wife and I together, and at times separately, thought, oh God, Lord, what have we done? Are you in this? One season when we were thinking or questioning and particularly had some concerns about our children in the city, we went away for a weekend. We went to a conference somewhere and we were, just wanted to get out of LA and be in this conference and worship Jesus and connect with some old friends. And while we were worshiping in one of the worship services, someone came up to us and tapped us on the shoulder turned around and introduced us to someone who they said, they look, he's very polite. He said, look, I don't know if you're used to something called prophecy, but I think God has kind of spoken to me for you guys. We reassured him that we believed in prophecy. And so he said, look, let's go to the back where it's quiet. And I believe God wants to encourage you with something. And so he started to say what God had said to him. And we were taken aback with how specific it was. He talked about, man, I think God showed me that you have had a time in a legal career and you used to work in some kind of business with the letters P and G. And I go, yep, I used to be a lawyer and then I worked for a company called Procter & Gamble. And I'm thinking, oh my word. Now I don't know about you, but I'm also kind of a cynic at heart. And I'm thinking, that's all on my LinkedIn profile, absolutely. Yeah, I know what you're doing. Uh, so I don't know about you, but I also have been wounded by prophecies. I had a bit of a defensive posture. How many of you are like me, a bit of a cynic when it comes to sometimes these things? Yeah. But then he went on 
and said some more things which were like, oh, no, you, you could not have known that. And it wasn't spooky, but it was very clear that God was giving him information that was very clear about who we are and where we were at in our life stage right now with our children. And it was very obvious, oh, no, this is not a LinkedIn profile. And then he said, I think God has gave me that level of specificity because he wants to encourage you with something. That he wants to know that actually this is God speaking to you. And then he went into encouraging us that he felt God was saying that we might be doubting, we might be nervous about what we've done, but I said, I believe you just moved to, I've sent you've moved to Los Angeles and God wants you to know that he moved you to Los Angeles for the sake of your children, not to harm them. That God's going to do wonderful things with your children because they are in Los Angeles, not despite it. And he went on and on about some other things, which I reread the whole thing just this last week. And it confirmed to us that God, yes, you have called us to this city. Yes, you have not forsaken us. And in the words of Paul in this passage we just read, through prophecy, through God speaking, through him to us, we were strengthened, we were encouraged, and we were comforted. And so we came back to LA with great faith. God, you're with us. And we're still here. Prophecy is a gift from God where we can come alongside each other and listen to God for each other to strengthen, to encourage, to comfort. Now, I've also been raised in an environment where prophecy was believed in and practiced, but it also got quite messy. It also can be misused. It also can leave you pretty disillusioned around this thing called prophecy. You know, I've, been, I've lived through seasons where, and forgive me if you don't know what I'm talking about, but you know, if you know, and that is, you know, where prophets will say, hey, this is now the Antichrist. You know, um, Mikhail Gorbachev, I remember the first person, Mikhail Gorbachev is now going to usher in the last days. And then it was the European community because they had 13 stars representing the 13 nations. And that represented something, Revelation. And that was there for about the last days were going to happen. And then, oh my word, then Y2K came along. (laughs) Oh my word. It just became like prophet frenzy where Y2K is going to usher in like the end of the age. And then, you know, you all get to New Year's Eve. The, ca- the clock counts down and it hits midnight. And you'll look around. Are we still here? <laughs> Did anything happen? And then, of course, the last two years, we've seen kind of frenzy around prophetic watchdogs and looking at emails which all look like they're in comic sounds and bold font. And it's just like, what is this? where it talks about COVID won't hit America and then Trump will be elected and all of these predictions about the future. And it seems, gosh, Lord, so much of this is wrong. It just didn't happen. And it's very easy to get disillusioned with this thing called prophecy, hearing God for others. And yet, Paul encourages the Thessalonians where he says, look, don't despise prophecy. 
which implied that it was equally messy in the first century, but weigh it and test it and grow in it. And ultimately, we always need to look at something like prophecy with the same lens of every other thing that we do in the church, every other amazing thing of community. Sometimes community can go wrong, can't it? Teaching. Man, sometimes people can teach stuff with, I'm not too sure that's in the Bible. Right? That every gift can be misused, but misuse does not mean disuse, it means right use. And as a church that humbly comes before Jesus and says, Jesus, we have everything that you have for us. Teach us to be humble and Christ-like in all that we do, even with this gift called prophecy, which ultimately, Paul says, is a matter of loving each other. He says, in terms of love, he says at the very beginning, eagerly desire the gift of prophecy, because prophecy is about loving one another. About loving one another because you can come alongside someone who's struggling and hear God for them. You can hear God for them. God has obviously written through written his word, written his voice down in the Bible, the collection of books that are inspired by him. But he continues to speak, to confirm his word in timely and personal ways. But sometimes we struggle to hear his voice. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm stressed, I'm struggling. I I don't know whether to go A or B. I don't know what to do and say, God, speak to me. And I'm struggling to connect. And I thank God that there are other people in my life who I can say, can you listen for me? Can you... Help me hear what God is saying to me. Our God speaks, but he speaks not just directly, but also through one another. Andrew Wilson, who's one of my favorite theologians, says this. We need to be quite clear. Christians hear from God. We worship a God who speaks. From the third verse of Genesis to the penultimate verse of Revelation, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We are sons and daughters of a loving father who wants a relationship with his children. We are the temple in which he lives and he makes himself known. We are the sheep of our great shepherd and sheep know their master's voice. We are a body in which people prophesy, speak words of wisdom and knowledge and use other spiritual gifts to edify each other. We are those to whom God has spoken in these last days through his son, And we may get ourselves into a muddle and silliness sometimes, but as Christians, we are those who hear the voice of God. That's how we came to follow Jesus in the first place. Prophecy is simply one of the ways in which God wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to you. And prophecy is when he uses someone else to be the messenger of what he wants to say. Now we can say, time out, Gare, why does he do it that way? Why can't he just speak to me directly? And he can, and he does. You read in your Bible and kind of you sense not only the macro revelation of God, but you sense a verse just kind of leap off the page and you feel it's for you, absolutely. Or in your own prayer time, you can sense something from God. But it makes sense, of course, that God also wants to speak through other people because that is how he does everything else as well. That is how he brings healing into your life. When you're sick, what does the Bible say? Go get someone else to pray for you. Is it because they can heal you? No. But God often uses other people, lay hands on you, and you receive the power of the Spirit to heal you. 
God uses his body, his family, to be the means of his blessing in your life. Same thing with financial need. Often when I've, Lord, I need, I need financial help. I've got bills or whatever to pay, and I don't have it. Lord, help. I actually don't expect suddenly the roof to open and gold coins start to filter down. But I have seen God richly provide financially because he prompts someone else with funds to give to someone who's praying for funds. He uses the body. He uses one another. It's the same thing with hearing God's voice. Yes, he will speak to you directly. But so often we need each other to have our ears open that we can encourage each other with the word and the voice of God. Paul says, one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. I've learned over the years that prophecy is not spooky. It's rarely predicting the future. There's one example in the New Testament of that, but most of prophecy is not actually predicting the future, but bringing God's truth into the present. Making his truth, his already revealed truth in Scripture, timely and personal. Because God's in a relationship with us and he doesn't want us always just to look back at his written word. Sometimes he wants to confirm it in timely and personal ways. That's what relationship's about. Imagine in your marriage. If you're married here today, you know, Lizzie and I were married 22 years ago. And imagine if I said to her, look, Lizzie, I wrote down my vows and we signed the license so that I'm utterly committed to you forever. Is there. And the rest of my marriage, I go, if she goes, Gay, do you love me? I go, oh my word, I wrote that down 20 years ago. You know, Gay, you know, are you committed to me? Oh my word, you're so needy. I wrote that down 20 years ago. I wrote it down, look, it's in black and white. What more do you want? No, love communicates what is written down in timely and personal moments. Where Lizzie or I can say to each other, I just want to say I love you. I know I wrote it down 20 years ago. But I want to say that to you in this moment. There's moments in your life where God wants to take his written word and confirm it in personal and timely moments. I remember this happened to me when I was 19 years old. I went to college I went off to law school and I was excited about becoming a lawyer. And my first semester at law school, something devastating happened to me, which was I developed a really debilitating speech impediment, a stammer, a stutter. It was dreadful. We were trying to do mock trials and trials that you would practice your speech, your open remarks, your closing arguments. And I could hardly get up there and say my name. I was devastated. I didn't know what had hit me. And I lost confidence. I lost hope. I thought my future was dissolving before me. And I was crying out to God, God. Now, I knew what his word said, but my heart was not filled. Until one day, the pastor of my church, on a retreat that we were on, had said to me, yeah, I've had a dream. And the dream's about you. He said, in this dream, I saw you speaking and preaching. I said, I have no idea if you ever want to do that. I went, no, I do not want to do that. 
I had a very low view of pastors at the time. I don't want to do that. But he said, I know you're struggling with your speech, but I feel God is going to actually redeem that. And you're going to preach to many. Now, I went away going, oh no, I don't want to preach. I don't, want, I don't ever want to be a pastor. But I did sense the Holy Spirit confirm that my speech impediment, what God was saying to me in the moment was, this is not the last chapter in this story for you. There is hope. Whatever God has for you, he's got great things for you. With or without the stammer. And I felt, thank you, God. I was struggling to find your voice. But you have spoken to me. God wants to strengthen, encourage, comfort you with his voice, with his truth, with his love. And he will do that so often through one another. Not only Christians, but also non-Christians. He talks, we didn't read the verse, but later on in this chapter, he talks about prophecy will also help non-Christians go, oh my word, God is real. I love helping people investigate Jesus. I'm a big evidence guy. I never want a blind leap of faith. I want to know what I'm believing is legit. But I do know that evidence won't help people cross the line of faith. They need to have an experience of Jesus to know he's real in their hearts, not just their heads. And I remember this with my colleague in the law firm in London. He was not a Jesus follower, far from it, but a great guy, loved him dearly, great friend. We worked in the same office. He was a partner in the law firm. We worked in the banking department together doing kind of corporate M&A transactional work. And we worked together a lot. And I would talk to him about being a Christian just because he was intrigued. He'd never met a Christian before, certainly not one kind of he liked. And so we'd have great conversations. But he was no way ever going to come to church. No way ever really wanted to be interested on his own. I was praying for him. And then one day I was in the office just after lunch and Michael ran into, literally ran in to the office and said, Gare, I need to take you for coffee now. I thought, oh no, what have I done? And so we went out of the building, went to the coffee shop next door, and we sat down and said, Michael, what's going on? He said, well, you're, the, you're a, this Christian, right? I go, yes. He goes, well, you need to explain something to me. He said, I've just been walking back from my house. He lived about a mile away, went off and went home for lunch. Just been walking back to the office. And do you know that church up the road, St. James's, Clerkenwell? Yes. I was, he said, well, I was walking past that, and then this guy ran out of the building and came straight up to me and said, excuse me, but I think God's given me a message for you. Now I'm going, oh no. (laughs) Lord, let this be good. Let this not be wacko. I've worked so hard for him to like Christians. I said, Michael, what, what did he say? He said he's been in this church at a lunchtime prayer meeting. And in the prayer meeting, he felt God say, go out of the building and find the first person, the first man, actually, and tell him a message. So he came up to me and told me, and I said, well, what's the message? Well, he said to me, you've recently lost lost a loved one, haven't you? And I knew that Michael had just lost a loved one, and we'd been talking about that, and he'd find that really difficult. And he 
This man said to him, you've lost a loved one recently, and as I was praying, God told me that. Go find the first guy, tell him you've lost a loved one recently. God knows your pain, and God wants to comfort you in your pain. I looked at Michael, I said, Michael, what did you do? He said, I ran away, I came straight to you. I said, well, you didn't even say anything. No. I thought, how on earth does this weirdo know stuff about me? And I came straight to you. How did he know? I go, Michael, I think, I think God told him. I think, actually, maybe God loves you so much, he would interrupt a guy in a basement in a prayer meeting to come upstairs, probably do the most courageous thing he's ever done in his life, to tell you that God loves you and he wants to be with you. Maybe he is knocking on your door saying, Michael, I want to know you. That began a beautiful journey for Michael, coming with me on the, on the subway, the tube, every Wednesday then to go to Alpha at our church where he would take his first steps in investigating Jesus. Because God had loved him by telling someone else a message for him. Now, I always look back at that and go, oh my word, I so want, when I meet Jesus, my first question to Jesus, well, maybe not my first, maybe my second is, who was that guy who did the bravest thing he ever did and probably thought it was a complete failure? He had no feedback, except a man running away from him. (laughs) He probably went back into the basement and went, I can't prophesy, (laughs) I'm a failure. He had no idea the fruit that came from his courage in willing to listen to God for the sake of others. Listening to God for the sake of others. But how do we keep it healthy? It's a powerful thing, right, to say, I think God told me this for you. How do we keep it healthy? Because there's been lots of misuse of this, and I've been on the wrong end of that. Believe me, significantly the wrong end of it. Where it led me into a place of, I never want to hear that word again. But as I've said and worked through with Jesus, hey man, misuse does not mean disuse, it means right use. How can we keep this a blessing? How can we keep this an act of love for one another? Paul is writing this very message to the church in Corinth. They're practicing the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be like Jesus, but they're doing it in a way that's bringing chaos. And so he writes this ch- these chapters all about how to keep these things healthy and Christ-like. We often read the chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, at weddings, love is this, love is that. The whole point of that chapter is actually to say, if you read it in context, if prophecy is from Jesus, it's loving like this. So Paul gives us two guardrails, two Christ-like guardrails to make sure that when we step into this gift to hear God for others, how do we know it's from God as opposed to just from us? And the first thing is this. The first C is this, content. Is the content biblical? Is the content in line with his word? God has spoken through his son, then through his word, and he will not add anything to it. He'll confirm it and personalize it and remind us in timely ways. But he'll never, 
He'll never contradict his word. And that's when sometimes I hear some predictive prophecies and I go, ah, that's just not biblical. That's just not in line with God's already eternal word. That is not right. Is it down to a terrible view or interpretation of revelation or something else? No, that's not in line with God's word. It'll always be confirming what he's already said. And secondly, is it going to be strengthening, encouraging, and comforting? In other words, is it the kind of stuff Jesus would say to someone? That he wants their best, he wants to love them, he wants to bring them in. Therefore, he's given me something to help you do that. And if it's not that, if it leaves you feeling, ooh, that felt a bit icky, ooh, that does not encourage me at all, then it's probably not from God. I do remember a friend of mine coming to me uh, about five years ago and said, yeah, I need really, I've been wrestling for about a week now with a prophecy that someone gave to me, a word from God, like they heard God for me. And I'm really struggling with that. I said, well, tell me. He said, well, they said I was on a path, I was on a journey, and I was walking down this path and it was getting darker and darker. And I came to this big obstacle in the middle of the path and I tried to get around it, but I couldn't, it was super wide. I tried to get over it, but it was too tall for me to get around. And I kept on hitting the back barrier, hitting the barrier, and it was getting more and more depressing and dark, and I was stuck. And then they just said, God bless you, and walked away. (laughs) I said, does that mean I'm stuck? Does that mean there's no hope? I went, no, let's, I'm not too sure that is how Jesus would communicate. So we prayed together and said, Lord, what if, what of anything here is of you? If not, we're going to throw it away. Because we only want to hear what your voice is. Is it strengthening, encouraging, comforting? That doesn't mean it's always going to be nice. In the sense of sometimes the Holy Spirit, in the words of Jesus, challenges us. And say, look, I think actually God is saying this because he wants you to get back on track and not sabotaging your life. And rarely is it predictive. Rarely, if ever, is it future. God is going to do this with the nations, or God is going to do this. Most of the Old Testament prophecy is not predictive about the future, but confirming God's truth in the moment to his people. And confirming what will happen to them if they don't follow him, which is kind of pretty obvious. If we don't follow Jesus, things will not go well. And so if there is a predictive prophecy... I said, yeah, that could be true, but I'm going to put it in kind of the back pocket. And if that happens, that happens. But I'm not going to build my life on that. But the second C is character. Character. Is the prophecy with biblical content? And is the prophecy with Christ-like character? Paul says the character that drives prophecy is love. Pursue love and therefore pursue prophecy. It's because I want to love you and help you and help you enter into all that God has for you. I'm willing and I'm going to spend time listening for you. It's loving. Sometimes prophecy seems to be self-serving. And I go, uh-uh, no way. Yeah, I grew up with a guy saying to me, yeah, I just really believe. So I see that girl over there. I really believe that God says she's going to marry me. I go, dude, is that loving of her or you? Because she wants nothing to do with you, it seems like. 
No, it's loving of the other person. And secondly, not just loving attitude, but a humble attitude. We are not infallible. We, Paul says, we only prophesy in part. We never have the full picture because we are broken. And so our antennae pick up God, but also we'll have other voices in our heads. We'll have other feelings and emotions, and so often we can confuse them and blend them together. And so we always have to be very humble with prophecy and go, I've been, I think God's spoken to me. I kind of sense this, but I want to leave it to you because only you can test if this is from God or not. That's not, not up to me. No, thus says the Lord, we're never in that capacity to do that. Content, is it the kind of stuff Jesus would say? And character, is it kind of in the way that Jesus would say it? For the other person's good and for their blessing. So how do we grow? How do we grow in loving others? By hearing God for them. Well, the firstly is desire it. Paul says, desire the ability to prophesy. That you want it as an expression of loving one another. One of the, probably the most popular question people ask me is, Gear, how do I hear God's voice? How do I hear God's voice? And I, and I help them through the Bible and through prayer. But I know often that it's an incomplete answer because God also says we should hear, each other, hear God's voice through one another, through prophecy. And that takes all of us to be willing to do that. To go, you know what, I'm going to use my time to say, God, what do you want to say to those around me? What do you want to say to those around me? You never know what God could do in someone's life when you allow God to use you to speak into their life. I remember when I was 20, I was going through a time where I didn't like prophecy. It had been kind of misused a bit in my life, quite directional in a way that was like, "Uh uh-uh, no. That's more about you than God. But I didn't want to throw it away completely, but I was visiting a friend's church in the north of England, and it was a big church. And, you know, I just wanted to go to church and just blend in with the crowd. You know, I wanted that, I wanted my faith, and I wanted my church experience that Sunday to be about me. I wanted to come, hear a good message, sing a few songs, and just sneak in and sneak out. You know, maybe make a few friends on the way, but that's what I wanted church to be. I didn't want to kind of give. I didn't want to be used and all that kind of stuff. It was big. I didn't want to be embarrassed as well. So I thought, prophecy, no, all that stuff, no. I'm just going to sneak in, sneak out. But during the worship time, I could tell, man, it it started to come on. I could tell the Holy Spirit, it started to give me a word that was not just for me. I thought, oh no, I do not want this. And actually, it was very simple. It was just a, a verse from the Bible. And I was desperately wanting and arguing with the Holy Spirit, this is just for me, this is just for me. And but I felt the, my heart beating out of my chest, going, no, this is not just for you. I thought, but God, I this is a big church, what am I supposed to do? I, I kind of want to sneak in, sneak out. And it was just blind obedience. I thought, I've got to go up and ask the pastor, I think this is a word for someone. 
And the word was just a verse from the book of Acts where Paul and Silas, two of the leaders of the church, were arrested for telling other people about Jesus and put in prison. And in prison, it says that they were praising and singing hymns to God and their chains fell off. That was it. So I thought, God, let this just be for me. No, it wasn't. So I walked to the front. I walked down the aisle, about a thousand people in the room. It was like a mega church in England because it's a completely atheistic culture. And I walked down the front. The worship leader was on stage. The pastor, Paul, was at the front. And I tapped on Paul. Paul showed. I knew Paul. I grew up with Paul. I said, Paul, I th- oh man, God's given me this verse. And I hoped that he would go, great, leave it with me and I'll think about it or whatever. But no. Paul walked up on stage, stopped the worship, and said, Gare has got a word from the Lord for us. I'm thinking, oh no. So I walked up, and then literally I'm walking up thinking, but it's so not like powerful, it's just a verse, it's not specifics, it's not anything grandiose. And so he gave me the microphone, and all eyes were on me. And I just said, I think this verse is for someone. And I read out the verse. And to what felt like great disappointment from the congregation, I just put my, gave him the microphone and walked back down and nothing happened. It was quite awkward actually because the worship leader went, oh, okay, great. We can go back to worshiping now. <laughs> and I left the church. I was only there to visit. And my next visit to that church was six months later. And I'm thinking that was the most awkward moment of my life. God, why did I do that? And so six months later, I went back to the church and at the end of that service, I was walking out and then someone tapped me on the shoulder. Turned around and it was a lady I hadn't met before and uh, about my age and she looked at me and said, hi, we've never met, but you came, didn't you, about six months ago and I haven't seen you since. I've been looking for you. And I went, oh, Really? And she said, looked at me a bit strangely. I went, she went, no, 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 I've been looking for you because something happened on that Sunday when you came. She said, and she told me the story. Look, I, I haven't been a Christian long. I came to Jesus about nine months ago now. And then I came to, I've been coming to this church and worship has always been so hard for me. All that stuff in my life has gone on in my life and it's just been feeling so dark in my life, particularly in worship. And she talked a bit about that. And she lived with the parents. And she said, one Sunday, about six months ago, I had a dream. And I came down to breakfast. And I said to my mum, mum, I had a dream last night. And in my dream, we go to church today. And there's a guy who gets up and goes to the front and says something on stage. That is for me. And her mum just said, well, let's go to church and see what happens. And mid-worship, I looked around and I was struggling. I didn't want to worship. I felt so guilty. I felt so dark. She said, midwish, I looked around and you stood up and started to walk to the front. And I nudged my mum and said, mum, that's the guy from my dream. And I got to be honest, I did want to say to her, oh, so you've been dreaming about me. (laughs) (laughs) You did not want to know me when I was 20 years old. And she said, you got up on stage and you read out that verse. And as soon as you read out that verse, it felt like physical chains came off me. And I just 
worshipped and I felt the presence of Jesus and I've, it's changed my life. I'm now actually in the worship team. And a few years later, she became the worship pastor of that church. All because God decided, I'm going to set her free. I'm going to speak to her, but I'm going to use someone else to do it. And it set her free. Desire prophecy. Not for your sake, not magic tricks, but to see each other come into all that God has for us. You have an important role to play in the people around you, one of which is helping them hear God's voice. Desire it. Secondly, grow. Grow. Every seed, every gift that comes is a seed to grow. God does not download a teaching gift in its maturity, a hospitality gift in its maturity, a healing gift in its maturity, nor a prophetic gift in its maturity. It's a little seed that we co-work with the Holy Spirit to grow. I've been in a lifelong stumbling around growing in what it means to hear God for the sake of others. And I'm still growing. One of the best tips someone gave me is that don't listen to a booming voice, but God is a God of the ordinary things. He created ordinary things. And so look for something ordinary just to kind of have the fire of God on it and say, God, is that you or is that me? God spoke to Moses through a burning bush. In other words, something ordinary that just had something different about it. And actually, it wasn't the fire that Moses said, I could sense something was going on over here because burning bushes happen all the time. It's the desert. They would spontaneously combust, but it didn't burn out. He could have just missed it and gone, oh, another burning bush. But he went, hang on a minute. I think that's a bit different. And sometimes you're reading a verse. It's just, ooh, that's a bit different. Oh, man, I can't stop thinking about that person. This is a bit different. Oh, as I was praying for them, this verse came to mind. That's a bit different. You're picking up on the voice of God. And then thirdly, practice it. Have a go. Have a go. The great thing about exercising and growing in this gift of hearing God for others is that it's really hard for it to go wrong because you're just simply wanting to encourage them and strengthen them and comfort them. And if you suggest, like, I think this is from God, but it may not be this, up, you know, no one's going to die. And if worse comes to worse, they're going to be encouraged by a wonderful thought that you had for them. But as you grow, you start to realize, oh my word, you start to see people say, how on earth did you know? Oh my word, did you know that I was going through that? It's like, no, I've just wanted to listen and hear God for you. As we conclude, as the worship team comes up, as we come to communion, prophecy is not something to despise. It's been misused and we correct it when it happens and we have to call out a lot of folks when they're misusing it. But this heart is a gift of love. Loving others by hearing God for them. And you're probably here right now thinking, I wish someone, someone would hear God for me. I need someone to hear God for me right now. Can I encourage you to make the first move? 
and say, actually, but until someone hears God for me, I'm going to make myself available to hear God for others. And guess what? The fire will start to spread. And we'll be a community hearing God for one another. Let's stand together. Thanks for joining us for another week. We'd love to connect with you at one of our gatherings or online at vintagechurchla.com.